You're listening to the Bug Bucks Podcast, hosted by Alan Draper and Eric Bassett. Each week, they'll discuss ways to scale and grow your pest control company with a goal of helping you become a bug money millionaire. Being in the mindset where you all of a sudden open yourself up to, you know, what don't I know and what could I be better at and what information could I get from somebody else that could be helpful to me? And then you allow yourself to have kind of an accountability partner. You know, I think accountability is a huge part of mentorship where all you're doing is instead of saying like to yourself, hey, I'm going to hit this goal. These are the things I'm going to focus on this week. Here are my lead measures. You sit down with a mentor and you say, hey, you know, here are the things that I'm going to do this week. Here's what I'm going to be working on. And they say, hey, that sounds great. I might tweak these things here. I might tweak these things there but you sound awesome. You go do your thing. I'll check back in with you at the end of the month, end of the week, you know, next two weeks, whatever it is. And then you and I can kind of talk about how it went. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Bug Bucks podcast. I'm Alan Draper. I've got Eric Bassett with me here today. How you doing, Eric? Hey, Alan. Doing good. Just plugging along and trying to get uh, everything squared away for all the stuff we need for the preparation season. Is as yeah. I'm now calling it. So yeah, yeah I love just, that. Uh, keeping I things, love that. Keeping term. things rolling. Yeah, and we just so we we're recording back to back episodes today, and so we just had that discussion, and so that's kind of at the top of our mind, and we're gonna kind of roll that concept into our subject today. Before we get there, everybody, please join our Facebook group. There's great information in there. It really comes from you know, the group more than it comes from Eric and I, I feel like, I mean, Eric does an incredible job providing feedback. You should see some of his answers. <laughs> like he's not like, I'm like the, no, I wouldn't do that. Eric's like the dissertation on why he wouldn't do it. And it's, <laughs> it's just great information in there. You can run all sorts of ideas and questions by the group. It's just a really solid group. So make sure you join that on Facebook, B-U-G, B-U-X. Today, we're talking, Eric, about this concept of mentorship in the industry. And I actually want to kick it off with a little different question. And that is, with what you and I are doing, and to be frank with what a lot of people are doing in the industry and speaking about our Facebook group, all the great feedback from other PCOs in there, do you feel like when there is advice given to somebody, you give advice to somebody in your market that that hurts your company somehow? I don't think so. You know, and for a while, I can definitely understand the concern. Before I was an owner of a company, I was upper level manager, sales director for this other pest control company. And I remember talking to the then kind of regional branch manager about it. And I kind of mentioned something like, hey, I would love to get like a just a gathering of like PCOs and like upper level managers like in our market like have a sit down lunch and talk about best practices. And because it, it always seemed like we were in kind of a way of stepping on each other's toes, you know, in this little small Boise market that we were in. And I was like, man, I wish I could just talk to these guys and ask them questions and give them feedback about what we do. And, you know, just kind of and at the time, it wasn't such a, a catchy word, but like up level, you know, the industry, right. And I remember that a regional director was like, Oh, dude, we can't do that. Like, there's no way that the owners are going to going to go for something like that, you know. And fast forward into now where I'm in the, the ownership role and all I want to do is talk to other owners, <laughs> you know? Like, "Hey man, how you doing it? How are things going? Like, how can I help? How can you help me?" 
you know, I really don't believe that there's a negative impact on my business. In fact, I've seen people in my market in some ways copy us or copy our branding or pick up on stuff that they've heard about me doing. And maybe at one time in my life, I would have been like, oh man, what a copycat. Like, why are you doing that? But now I'm completely flattered. I'm like, oh, dude, you thought that something was good enough that you thought you were going to put your hard earned money and time into it based on something I said or something I did. That's huge. So I think it actually provides a lot of value and benefit just in knowing that I'm helping out people in the industry. And that doesn't even include the information that comes back around to me, which has been monumentally helpful and way more than I've actually put out there. At least I feel, even though a lot of my Facebook answers are very long. (laughs) (laughs) They're awesome, man. Just that detail. So I have somebody that's fairly close to me in the industry that commonly makes comments to me about, hey, aren't you worried about like helping your competitors? Because, you know, you surely some of your competitors are listening to your podcast and, you know, and I do one-on-ones with people and I was just helping a company, had a meeting with a company on just a couple of days ago. I was in Utah and they wanted to sit down and meet with me. And I sat down and met with the owners and I just view it differently, Eric. And to be frank, and this might be a little harsh, but I think it's accurate. I think that people who think being a mentor to somebody, even in their own industry, in their own economy, their own market, I think that people that have a problem with that have a scarcity mentality. I really do. And for me, that's a bad word because I think I grew up with a scarcity mentality. I grew up you know, in pretty humble circumstances. No, I don't think I'd say poor, but our family didn't have a whole lot. And so that's one thing, that's one limiting belief that I've spent the last 20 years trying to overcome. This idea that, like, I, I'm not kidding. I do weird stuff, like where I'll, you know, close my eyes, my morning routine, and I'll visualize trees producing money. If I'm looking into, you know, if I'm trying to focus on financial prosperity and financial abundance. So that goes against my core is this idea that there's some limit to either our markets or to what we can do with our company. So that's one reason why it really bothers me when people are like, yeah, dude, you're, you're helping your competitors get better. A hundred percent. I hope that's, you know what, that's funny <laughs> because you're accusing me of what is exactly <laughs> my goal. So thank you. You're like, yeah, you got the idea. <laughs> I think the other thing is, I think I've accomplished with, you know, incredible teams and incredible support quite a bit in the pest control industry, but the people that either listen to this podcast or participate in the group or whatever that I've consulted one-on-one with, they're bright. They're going to figure it out anyway. Maybe it takes them a couple extra days, but it's not like I'm, you know, I have some magic formula. It's not like I have freaking Colonel Sanders recipe that I'm giving to people, right? I'm giving stuff that has been given to me. So I don't think, I guess basically what I'm saying is that these folks are going to succeed with or without me. And my hope is that I help them avoid, you know, catastrophe or even a setback. But even if they have that, they're going to succeed. So I just don't buy into it. I don't buy into, and I'm going to, you know, call out a sector of our industry a little bit. 
I think this comes from door to door just a little bit. And I get it. Like for the folks that don't aren't involved in recruiting or door to door sales, we have two targets. So on the pest control side, we have our customer. And then on the recruiting side, we have a potential salesperson. They're completely different markets and we have to market to both of them and we have different strategies. But that's an, it's such an important part of our industry. And it's the corollary of acquiring and recruiting really talented people in other areas of your business. We do the same thing with marketing folks, with you know managers, with really good technicians. We do the same thing. We recruit them. And we, you know, we put resources into finding, going after them and retaining them, but it's more, a little more concentrated on the door to door side. But I think it comes from that industry where it's like, if I don't get that guy or that girl to come sell for proof, then somebody else does. Therefore, we have this zero sum game. You win, I lose. And it bothers me. Yep. Yeah. A hundred percent. And there was a time when I realized because we would go into markets and you'd talk to guys and, and if you're in these markets where door-to-door recruiting is pretty prevalent, then the odds that that guy is already being recruited is pretty high. And I used to think, you know, okay, well, even if this guy's talked to somebody, like I could, you know, sway him away and get him to come work for me or whatever it is. And I remember talking to this one guy and, you know, he said, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry. I know we've had a lot of these meetings and everything sounds good, but you know, I've made the decision and I'm going to go work for this other company. And I could tell that he was waiting for me to just like come down on him and be super disappointed and try to convince him otherwise. And I said, okay, man, well, hey, I think the most important thing you can do right now, if you made the decision, is to be 100% committed to that company then. You know, like, hey, man, you can call me anytime. You can ask me any questions you want. I'm happy to help you overcome objections, do whatever you need to, whether you work for me or not, right? And he kind of looked at me like, oh, and I kind of see like the gears turning in his head, like, did I just make, did I just make the wrong decision? But he went out and he sold for that company, he had a great time. We stayed connected. It was really good. And then he ended up getting out of door to door and getting into a completely other sector. And we still talk and we still have a good, good relationship. And, you know, there's scenarios where you just have to realize that the impact that you have on people goes a lot, much, much deeper than the initial competition level that you think that you might be running into. I think the the other thing that I have found, especially with door-to-door, if you're a smaller company and your customer gets knocked on by another company, by one of their door knockers, instantly you feel threatened. You're like, oh, dude, you better not be knocking on my customer's door. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to call that freaking company and whatever, whatever. And it becomes like enemy number one, you know, and every time you right. see their, their guys drive by, you're ticked, you know? But if you think about it, and especially another door-to-door thing, if the more pest control is shown in a market, the more that people understand that pest control is a need, the more that people get that, hey, pest control is so important that companies are sending kids door-to-door every single summer to sell it, the more it's on their minds, the better it is for everybody, the better it is for you, right? We've had tons of people call in and I'm like, hey, how'd you hear about us? And they're like, oh, well, I actually didn't. I just Googled you, but I had a couple of guys knock on my door last year from another company and you know, oh, I didn't yeah. do it then, but now I Googled it and I feel bad for those guys that knocked on the door. But the more that they express interest in pest control, the better it is for you. So it, it's hard to think of competition in that format because you think that there's only so many customers, but that goes back to exactly what you were saying. 
That's a scarcity mindset. I promise there are more customers than will ever be pest control companies in any given market. It's just the way things are. Like we think of like behemoth pest control companies that have like, you know, just this past weekend, I was talking to somebody and they're like, yeah, there was somebody, you know, this company in, in, you know, a Midwestern market, a larger market that is knocking on like 40 plus thousand customers in this market. And it's like, holy cow, big, (laughs) big company there, which is what they thought, you know, like an Orkin or Terminex was, was around, but there's 6 million people there, you know? And I know that's not how many households there are and, you know, whatever, but just, I think the mentality, just having this abundance mentality, and I preach this a lot on, you know, on my other platforms, not limited to just bug bucks, but I'm just thinking about the energy I feel that's different when, and I've gone through my moments where somebody stole a customer and I was like, oh, that sucks, you know, or whatever, but the energy that's different from that experience compared to me giving some feedback or looking at a financial statement for somebody, it affects my life in, in a significant way. And so it's not the reason that I do it, but I definitely get more than I give out, 100%. And I, that's be cliche. I don't care. It's true. There's something about me getting excited. That's why I get so excited on this podcast, right? There's something about it. And I think one of the reasons, another reason why I love this industry is because 90% of people feel that exact same way. You can ask them pretty much anything, you know, and I'm not thinking that we should overstep bounds and ask for, you know, detailed marketing plans with access to their Google AdWords platform and stuff like that. And I've seen people overstep when they ask for things. And here's one caveat. I don't like when people are being lazy. When people are like, yeah, hey, can you send me this entire agreement? You know, (laughs) like, but that doesn't have anything to do with the scarcity mentality. That's just like, dude, go learn something, go put something together and I'm happy to help you. But it just gives me this energy that I think I carry throughout my day when I have these conversations and I really get more out of it than I give. But there's so many people. I'm not, it's not just limited to you and I. I think you and I spend quite a bit of time doing it. And other people would too, if they were, you know, similarly situated, but our industry is great for it. It's just, you know, there's this opportunity to learn from others. And I've kind of wanted to, you know, in the last, we've got about 10 minutes left here, but talk about this idea of mentorship and how important it is to both be a mentor and to have a mentor, regardless of where you're at. I have my mentors. I mean, I feel like I'm just getting started in a lot of ways, but what is it, Eric, about both ends of that, both ends of being a mentor and having a mentor that help us with our pest control companies? You know, I think one of the big things that a lot of guys run into is, you know, I'm a smart guy. I like to think I'm a smart guy. And, you know, I think smart guys run into the problem of thinking, you know, I can figure this out on my own. I don't need a mentor. I don't want to ask for help. You know, I don't want to be vulnerable. Right. And the big thing is, is that being in the mindset where you all of a sudden open yourself up to, you know, what don't I know? And what could I be better at? And what information could I get from somebody else that could be helpful to me? And then you allow yourself to have kind of an accountability partner. You know, I think accountability is a huge part of mentorship. 
where all you're doing is instead of saying like to yourself, hey, I'm going to hit this goal. These are the things I'm going to focus on this week. Here are my lead measures. You sit down with a mentor and you say, hey, you know, here are the things that I'm going to do this week. Here's what I'm going to be working on. And they say, hey, that sounds great. I might tweak these things here. I might tweak these things there. But you sound awesome. You go do your thing. I'll check back in with you at the end of the month, end of the week, you know, next two weeks, whatever it is. And then you and I can kind of talk about how it went, right? That whole process is the same process that I use when we develop our upper level managers and other colleagues in the business. And it's the same process that everybody needs, regardless of the level that you're on, which is somebody that can help you make commitments and keep commitments and do it in a very smart way. And you could have one mentor that helps with a lot of parts of your life. You could have different mentors for different parts of your life, right? Where you say, hey, you're really good at this thing. I've noticed that you're fantastic at whatever this thing is. Can you help me out here? Obviously, I believe you need to be compensated for your time. Let's talk about that too, right? But understanding that transfer of energy and information, right? That goes through everybody. To me, that's an important part of mentorship that I think a lot of people overlook or they might just be initially scared to look into. I think that's a great point when you're looking for a mentor. Like, how do you feel after you talk to them? Are they optimistic? Are they thankful? Are they, and that's usually the case if they're providing information, right? Or are they dragging you down and complaining about their problems? If they are, that's, I hate to break it to you, that's not a mentor, (laughs) right? (laughs) You're probably mentoring them. But what I would recommend is looking for more than just little pieces of information in these relationships. What is this mentor? What's their thought process? What's their energy? When they're talking about addressing an employee, what is their voice tone? What are the larger principles behind the bits of information? Now, in this industry, we're suckers for the quick hit. Like, hey, should I do SEO? Right? That's a great question, but don't limit it to just that question. If you're asking that of a mentor, find out like what's the thought process. If somebody asks me that, I'm going to say, well, it depends. Let's look at your goals. Let's look at where you want to be in 10 years. As a mentee, you want to like attach, okay, well, this is how he approaches different questions. And the reason why you want to do that is that mentor, you're probably not always going to have access to them. And what they have to offer you in terms of personal development and how to solve problems and how to address situations and the principles upon which they live their life and make their decisions, that's way more important than the underlying question of, should I do SEO? So as you approach mentors, look at how they conduct themselves because a lot of people, Eric, they're going to think that those people that we look up to got to where they are because they're able to answer the question, hey, should I do SEO? That's not how (laughs) they did it. That's not what it's about. I truly believe that businesses cannot surpass the level that their owners are currently at. Mm -hmm. Business owners cannot create a company that they have not personally arrived at. It's just not possible. And I didn't say that you know as clearly as I wanted to, but there's this personal development that goes into being a business owner. And that is the most valuable growth that you can get from a mentor, learning about how they conduct their lives 
And I think those are the really big takeaways because long after that mentor is gone or the relationship's gone, or you don't have access to that time, maybe you become too busy. I had a mentor 22 years ago and I still hear his voice echo when I'm approaching a decision. And I went to law school and in law school, a lot of people think you learn the law. You don't. You don't learn the law in law school. You, I learned the law in two months studying for the bar exam or three months, whatever it was, more than I learned in my three years of law school. A lot of it's because you, you study cases from other states that, and the law is different. But what you do learn is you learn how to take one scenario, apply some principles, and analyze what a different scenario might end up like. And that is one of my best assets from law school. And the reason why it's helpful is because just like in law, like with a DUI, for example, or a a lawsuit, one business sues another, there's going to be some similarities between past cases. And you can kind of look and see what happened. There's also going to be some differences. And those differences are what really make a good lawyer he or she is able to kind of look at that and apply it in its exact same way with information. As we, as PCOs, acquire information, we can't just take it at face value. We have to apply it to our situation. So that's especially true when a mentor, when you're working with a mentor and you have you know, these opportunities to learn from one, you can apply that moving forward and I think that's the real value. Yeah, 100%, man. And uh, everything that you're saying rings true to me. And we're just finishing up reading the dichotomy of leadership in our uh, leadership group at work. And they talk about one of these principles that you know when the SEAL team is in and they are either clearing a building or they're working through this process, that there's somebody on the team who instead of you know looking down the sides or being fixated on a particular you know, mission, objective, or goal that instead of doing that, they're looking everywhere else. And the reason that they're looking everywhere else is so that they can notice the things that the team is never going to be able to see because they are fixated on one key element. And I thought that was huge. I want to throw that out there. Kind of another thing to look out for when looking for a mentor is people who mentor you, obviously you want to make sure that they have experience in the field that you're trying to get mentored in. That's obviously a prerequisite. But the other thing too is that you have to understand you are the boots on the ground. You're the guy that needs to put in the work. You're the guy that is going to really be digging in deep to get things done. And this mentor is there to help you understand all the things that are happening around you that you might need to pay attention to aside from what your direct focus is. You know, so a lot of guys will will come to me and they'll be like, oh my gosh, you know, like I, I need to focus on whatever it is, marketing, operations you know, talent acquisition, door-to-door recruiting, whatever that stuff is. And a lot of times what they end up being at the mercy of has a lot more to do with other things than they realize. But they're so fixated on this one thing that they just don't have the time or the energy or the resource to really understand it or the know-how from previous experience. So just like you said, you know, the philosophies and the mindset and the way that mentors handle issues, you know, obstacles versus opportunities. We've talked about that before, make a huge difference. So, you know, mentors aren't like finding a good mentor isn't something that you usually do in one day. 
usually takes a, a number of conversations and or a, a while. But I encourage everybody that, you know, go out there, be a little bit vulnerable, find a mentor, find somebody who can show you a little bit more than what you know, and just be open to that idea. Yeah. You know, and as we're wrapping up here, Eric, one piece of advice is show that mentor how you can add value. There are some out there that the way that you're adding value is just by giving them the opportunity to share because they're 100% altruistic, but the best mentors are also going to be very, very busy. So you can, you have this opportunity and it doesn't have to be something crazy like buy them something or pay them. The most valuable mentors, their time is going to be worth more than money anyway. They could just buy it themselves or whatever, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's something else. And so a couple of things as we're wrapping up to think about a gratitude is a big thing, like making sure they know how much you appreciate them and taking that one step further and shooting them the occasional text and saying something like, you know what, Mark or Jana or whoever, you said something that actually helped my relationship with my spouse. And this is, this is what went down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to have them for life. You do something like that, right? Or I had this issue with my employee and I was starting to get heated, but I remembered that you told me to slow my voice down, like s- slow my words down, like lower my voice. And I was able to kind of change the situation. You do that. And I think it's going to open a lot of doors for you. And in one respect, at least continue to access to that mentor, but find a way, whatever it is, get creative. And don't think money. Don't think like, you know, if it's a really creative, like personal gift, that's, you know, a small value. I think that could be something worthwhile to them, but it's not a one-way street. Like I said before, like, I honestly feel like I get more out of it. A lot of it's just the energy, just the motivation that I have to go tackle my problems because I was able to help somebody else tackle theirs a little bit. But it's a two-way street. So make sure that you're at least thinking about how to give back to that mentor and also find people that you can mentor also. You know, I learned through just schooling that I really became a master of a subject when I taught it. And I found yes. out what I didn't know when I would share it with others and they would have questions. And then I'd have to explain it in a very fundamental level, I found out like how much I knew it. So go out there and offer your time to others and give back to others. Man, it's a great episode. Great episode. Not oh, yeah. necessarily like, you know, talking uh, bug specifics, but just a lot in here. So this one, you might want to listen to a couple of times. I know I'm going to, I'm going to go back and listen to this, but yeah, you knocked out of the park. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for being on this journey with me, bro. This is, you know, yeah, man. It's kind of a wild thing that we do with how busy we both are with our families and our businesses. And, you know, I don't say that enough, but I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you too. This has been awesome. It hits a level of fulfillment. I didn't know I was missing until I got here. So this has been sure. awesome, man. Super great. For sure. All right, everyone, make sure to join our Facebook group. It's growing by the day. We're, I think we're at 3,000 PCOs right now. And it's a relatively young group, a little over a year. It's been around. And or is it two now? 
maybe it's two. Yeah, I think it started during COVID, like right after COVID started, but relatively young. So make sure you join the conversation and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Bug Bucks podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please show your support by subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating. Thank you. And we'll catch you on next week's episode.